it's amazing. Like you don't realize because, like you know, when you're on the tour, you get, like so much adrenaline that you don't realize how tired you are until you get to like relax and then you're done for. I'm still recovering. Meet Harris Allen. You might know him better as Vancouver hip hop performer Fallen Soldier. He's just got back from his very first tour. So, naturally, I asked him if he had any crazy road stories. Well, I'd heard a couple weird stories before I went on. But the thing is, like, we kind of had everything planned out. So there wasn't much left up. <laughs> as boring as it sounds, there wasn't much left up to, like, that kind of chance. One cool thing that happened in Edmonton, these five girls, I met them at the show, and they'd driven four hours to come. So that was cool. As first tours go, Fallen Soldier got off pretty easy. How did the experience change his game? I think, like, now, I feel like I could play my set anywhere, anytime, because, like, I've gone through so many different types of circumstances. I would say that it's a good thing for people to do just to get really comfortable with doing their music in any atmosphere, right? Like, you could get it on stage in some city you've never even played in. You can just get on stage and do your set. That's, like, pretty cool. You realize what kind of set you need to, you know, play bars and clubs and stuff. Like, you can't go into, like, these places with, like, this soft, like mellow music because you're just gonna like people are just gonna leave <laughs> so you gotta come well equipped with like big huge club bangers and stuff something for like people to cut loose to and party to because it was a first tour like I was like driving through the Okanagan and stuff with like my GPS like in one hand and like driving with the other and then you know like not sleeping at all and uh, doing interviews and stuff on the road to try and promote the show that you're going to play the next day. So definitely, like, you kind of think that, wow, it's amazing that, like, some of these bands have gone through all this as well as, you know, putting out their music and everything and trying to do that side of it. So you kind of think, like, it's crazy to go through all this stuff or and it's just amazing. You know, you realize, like, you have a huge respect for bands that have done that. Hey, this is Scott Wood, and I'm the host of The Interview Show. This summer, all sorts of bands, from rookie to veteran, will be hitting the road to reach out to their fans and to find new audiences. Driving all those long distances can take its toll on your vehicle. The slightest mishap can derail even the most meticulously planned tour, and you can find yourself stranded. When you talk to musicians, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a weird road story. Today on the show, we've got three stories for you. That's three stories celebrating the tour. In part one, we'll meet Arobi from Times New Roman. He'll tell us about love and loss in a foreign land. Anyone who's been to Japan knows that it's sort of constantly surprised and everything seems a little bit bizarre. The bizarre becomes the normal. In part two, Robbie Slade from Humans will tell us about meeting all the right people while drinking in L.A., so we went there in the dead of night, right? And just boozing with these guys. I don't know, they kind of all just like passed out and we're like, where do we sleep? Like, what the heck? And finally, in part three, Father Clem from White Cowbell, Oklahoma, will tell us a story of strange mythical beasts. Yes, you heard that right. Strange mythical beasts. I was like, Hollis, do you see this thing coming towards us? Do you see this thing? It's like some kind of minotaur or a, a cyclops. This is Scott Wood, your host. Stay tuned.
with everything and nothing between us. You are the whole soul goal, me, you, universal, universal union. Blending in matter, journey in harmony. Journey in harmony. Welcome to the interview show, part one. Most indie tours involve a lot of couch surfing and camping, but not always. Arobi, from Toronto's video game rappers Times New Roman, went to Japan and found tons of new fans. But at the end of the night, he had to solve a typical band dilemma in a completely new way. It's Saturday night in the city of Fukuoka, Japan, and we don't have a place to stay. So we play our show, we did two sets, there's no last call in Japan, so the clubs close only when the last person leaves. By about 8 a.m., I'm ready to go. <laughs> I had a little friend, so I'm feeling feeling kind of sporty, and I leave with the girl. All my boys are still drinking. They want to hang out and have a good time. I'm thinking about what they call a love hotel, which is in Japan, a hotel that charges by the hour. I'm thinking it's Sunday morning. There's probably some vacancy in the city by this point. We go to like six spots, six hotels. No vacancy, nothing. Fukuoka has a reputation for... Really, the, the first syllable of the city's name, Fukuoka. People apparently do a lot of that. Finally, we find a room, and it's the only available bed in the city of Fukuoka. And it's a tanning bed. I'm exhausted from the search, and I guess we, we pass out and wake up a few hours later, naked, freezing cold from the AC in this tanning bed, in this little room. So the tanning bed is turned off, of course. I remember waking up in the tanning bed much much more than sleeping in it, and it was very, very uncomfortable. It felt alien, right? So yeah, she's getting up and trying to leave, saying how she's going to miss her bus and she has to go to work. Yeah, I can barely move. I'm lying in this weird plastic glass cylinder, grabbing out her wrists, like, no, stay. But she gets away. From there, I pay the bill for the room, the tanning bed dagger through this 40-degree city with all my gear. My friends had gone to an internet cafe, and Japanese internet cafes are, you get like a personal little cubicle, like like an office cubicle with a little cushiony bench thing, and it's nice. It's, they're kind of deluxe. The next night on that tour was the only night on the tour that we actually stayed in a hotel. Having a bed that night was really <laughs> the best feeling I can describe. It was being in this clean, cool hotel room was rapture. My and here's my favorite Times New Roman track, Music and Math.
I'm Scott Wood, and this is The Interview Show, Part 2. Robbie Slade is one half of Vancouver Electro Outfit, Humans. He's also one of the crown princes of Vancouver's current party scene. There's definitely an art to partying, and Robbie tells us what happened after his band's very first out-of-town gig. Okay, me and uh, Tristan Orchard and Peter Eek were down in L.A., and uh, we played at like, this club called... Um, Esmeralda in Palm Springs. Yeah, we had no real plan after playing this club and we had been drinking and everything in LA was really spread out, right? It was like a 40-minute drive to like our place. And so we just like went with this photographer guy. He's like, yeah, come come stay at my place. We went for the purpose of like playing for his, his opening. So I knew, we knew it was cool. And uh, he ended up being like Paul McCartney's nephew or something. But Peter Gerns is his name. He's a fucking sweet guy. So we went to his place on this golf course. So we went there and we were like, pretty nice. Like, it was a big, like, pretty big place. But as soon as you walk in the door, there's floor to ceiling windows, all that overlook the golf course and the mountain in question. You know, you look out the window, immediately you're on, there's a golf course directly in front of you. So there's like nicely trimmed fairway grass right in front of you. And then the little water feature that we ended up swimming in, um, <laughs> which was gross, by the way. It was like a long, skinny golf course, you know? So you had to cross like two or three holes to get to the foot of the mountain, and the mountain kind of rose up. And there was, you know, there was like a few ranges. You could see like one, two, three. And when we got up to the top of the first one, you could see that it was a really long way to the next one. And so we just like went with this photographer guy. He's like, yeah, come, come stay at my place. The dead of night, right? And they're just boozing with these guys. And, uh, I don't know, they kind of all just, like, passed out. Peter Reek is just, he's so good at it. He just crashed, like, next to the couch or whatever. And then we're just kind of, like, drinking. And we're like, where do we sleep? Like, what the heck? Like, kind of thought about, like, going and, like, sleeping out on the... Because he's, like, right on one of the holes, right? And me and Tristan were kind of, like, not really feeling, like, down with that. So us and these uh, two guys from New York... The four of us, we just decided to just climb this mountain in the distance <laughs> while everyone was sleeping. We just, like, walked across the entire golf course. We were like, oh, man, it'll be no problem. Like, no problem whatsoever. We, we'll, like, no no big deal. 
And then we like walked over there. It took so long to get to the base of it. And we were like, <laughs> it was uh, when we were walking towards the mountain, it was getting daytime. So it was like very, very blue skies and like a big kind of rocky, craggy, orange mountain. You know, it was like rock. This is so stupid. Oh my God. And uh, just cranked her out, went to the top and we brought bottles of Chardonnay. We were just like, drinking like gentlemen on the top of this mountain. You know, and I was really glad that we didn't just sleep out on the green because that's what we were thinking of doing. Or, it wasn't the green, it was the fairway where his house is. We were thinking of just crashing out on the green, you know, but the factor was, what if we get smoked by golf balls like, when we're sitting there, right? And so we, like, came down and we're like, no, that was a smart idea, you know, it's morning time now, we can just, like, go about our day didn't have to worry about where to sleep. So when we got down, it took us hours. So we were getting back, and this dude was waking up. Azuro was just kind of waking up. And uh, he uh, was kind of running his mouth at us and making fun of us for hiking up that mountain. And he was like, what are you guys doing, man? Like, you were seriously climbing that? Like, fucking, why didn't you just, like, you know, like, crash here? Why didn't you guys just, like, sleep here on this nice, like, luscious grass or whatever? And before I could even really say anything, like, you know, because... We were afraid of getting hit by golf balls. He got smoked by one on the inner thigh. It was just like, out of nowhere, man. Boom, right on his inner thigh. He had a bruise the size of a basketball on his leg the rest of the weekend. I thought he was going to beat up the golfers. Great story, Robbie. So, are you ready for a cross-Canada tour? Oh, I just want to tour more. I'd, I'd like to get exposed to opportunities like that all the time. I'm sure a lot of it's probably pretty boring, though. Well, a lot of it is, like, it's a lot of, like, crashing in weird places, and, like, it sucks a lot of the time. It's like anything that's worthwhile, like backpacking and stuff. And here's Doing Things by Robbie's band, Humans. Thank you. 
Welcome to the interview show, part three. This is Scott Wood, your host. Father Clem is the front man of Outlaw Rockers, White Cowbell, Oklahoma. I asked him for a story about finding a place to stay on the road. He had a hard time finding a tale safe enough for radio. Well, I'd like to tell you a whole bunch of stories about strange places White Cowbell, Oklahoma have slept, but most of our stories involve wine, women, pyrotechnics, and strange mythical beasts, which I can at least tell you a good story about mythical beasts. Shall I tell you a story about mythical beasts? I think I will. And uh, I'd just like to go back a few years back to a cold, cold February when uh, Wacab, Oklahoma thought it would be a fantastic idea to do a tour of Canada heading west in the depths of February winter just for kicks. And uh, we get to the Rocky Mountains and uh, we just you know, and the things are getting a little hairy. We're going along mountain roads, uh, uh, tractor trailer trucks are going by at all crazy speeds. There's this fog in the middle of winter, like fog and snow. It doesn't make any sense, but there it is. We just crossed the border into British Columbia, Canada, and uh, we're thinking, man, this is so nice. We're in British Columbia, Canada. And here's a little town. It's called Field, British Columbia, Canada. How quaint. Look at the mountains. Look at the, look at the water. Look at the, the river, the, the, the sky. And we look out the back, and there is an inferno, like a, a flamethrower, shooting out of the back of our van because we've been driving at such an incline, at such a high speed, and with so many powerful, heavy instruments stacked up into our trailer. Yes, there is a, an inferno shooting at the back of our trailer in the midst of all this natural beauty and wonder. So we're thinking, hmm, it's like we're going to be stopped for some time. So we pull over, and there's just as you cross over to British Columbia, there is this tourist depot, and there is a, a tourist stop on the river in the pass on the highway of Trans-Canada. And they had a, at the time a giant ornamental teepee that we thought was, you know, a good place to find shelter. So meanwhile, we're getting a little bit frantic because, you know, the sun's going down. We're in the Rockies. Everything's closed. Everybody's left town to go home to wherever they live in the mountains because I guess they're Sasquatches or something. And uh, everything is shut down. And we have an inferno in the back of our trailer. So, you know, it was a little bit apocalypse now. I would have expected Dennis Hopper and, you know, wharf paints to come traveling through. It was a little bit hairy and strange. So here we were in fields, British Columbia, with a trailer that was mostly in flames, engulfed in flames by this point. We managed to put out to save the gear, but this was not an operable uh, trailer by any <laughs> sense of the word. So we're calling every U-Haul in the middle of British Columbia, seeing what was still open. And it appears there is only one. And it was in Radium, British Columbia. So we decided this was the only uh, U-Haul left in all of British Columbia that was still open in another hour, that we would race in the van up the mountain to Radium in the middle of the night, and we have to drive through a... a, a scary, difficult mountain pass, 100 kilometers or so, to get to radium in time at high velocity, high speed. The majority of the band decided to set up camp in this teepee with a fire and their bottle of whiskey and their little guitars, and it was just so cute. I thought, you know, I'm just going to get on to the dangerous business of driving through these mountains. And I don't know if the oxygen was depriving us or what have you, or all I know is I was seeing goats and sasquatches and all kinds of animals. Just I was like, Hollis, do you see this thing coming towards us? Do you see this thing? It's like some kind of minotaur or a, or a cyclops or some kind of Greek creature in a white fur 
stumbling through the darkness. I'm sure it was just goats or mountain goats or what have you, but it was very unnerving. So we drive and drive and drive, and then, uh, you know, it's getting pretty late, and we finally reach Radium, where lots of old people go to sit in hot baths together in near states of nudity, which is pretty gross. So we find the U-Haul, and we find their last trailer, and it's two hours later, it's pitch dark in the mountains of British Columbia, Canada. We drive for another hour and a half down the mountain at high velocity, and we arrive finally back at field. And it was very late, it was about midnight, and uh, everybody was curled up in, this, in, in, in the teepee around the fire with their guitars and their bottles of whiskey and their little packets of chips and cookies and, and, and fungus mungus and, and strange brownies. And uh, people were dancing around the fire and war paint, and, you know, I swear to God, Dennis Hopper was there. So we decided to make a night of it, and uh, everybody woke up in the morning feeling a little bit dirty and strange. Kind of like the end of a, you know, a strange Italian uh, avant-garde movie. Wondering exactly what had happened. And that is the night that Waukeba, Oklahoma slept in the ornamental tourist TP at the tourist depot in Field, British Columbia. Greatest lesson that Waukeba, Oklahoma learned during this educational trip up and down the mountains of British Columbia was, if you're going to drive in February through the mountains, make sure you bring lots and lots more women to keep you warm in that teepee. Because them dudes are not invited. Well, we think it's a rite of passage to to break down in the middle of Canada somewhere because the law of averages is if you're going to break down, it's going to be in the middle of the wilderness in Canada. And uh, if you haven't done that just once, then you really haven't toured, because once you've toured this fair nation, you can tour anywhere. The second country we toured after Canada was Holland, and it seemed like literally riding a unicycle through a small parkette, really. Uh, If you can tour Canada, you can tour pretty much anywhere. It's like boot camp for insane people like us who think that being in a band is a smart thing to do. I love the idea of a cross-Canada tour as boot camp, training Canadian bands to take over the world. Look out, Europe. Fall before our touring might. We will take your women and make you wear our band t-shirts. I'm Scott Wood. You've been listening to the interview show, Summer Tour Special. We'll end things here with Happy Ending from Father Clem and White Cowbell, Oklahoma. Thanks for listening.
Yeah!